This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 450, a conversation with Pat Olive. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans podcast. This is episode 450. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and this is our conversation with Pat Olive. This is actually the second time that Pat's been on the show. Uh, previously, he was on the show about a year and a half ago, uh, talking about his career in comics, as well as his time on, on Untold Tales of Spider-Man, as well as Spider-Girl. Uh, this time around, we take a little bit of a different tact, and uh, instead we look at his current work. Uh, first, we talk about um, his work from last year on Barbed Wire, before transitioning into talking about Rough Riders from Aftershock Comics. Uh, now, prior to the show, actually wasn't even aware that they had actually already announced a second series of Rough Riders, which we talk about on the episode, which is actually coming out in February. Now, this episode should be coming out around February the 10th, so uh, it'll be coming out shortly. Uh, so we talk about what worked in the first series, uh, what kind of challenged him artistically, what he really enjoyed about the project, as well as what to look forward to in the next um, the next kind of uh, chapter or the next uh, series. I think you really enjoy this episode. Um, a little bit of housekeeping, first of all, is that you can email us at always at com at gmail.com like the show on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes and you can also listen to us on Stitcher um, you can also check out the Epic Marvel podcast uh, where I am a, a you know, irregular go- uh, guest host. I almost said a regular ghost, um, where I am uh, guesting on episodes where we look at the Daredevil Epic Collections as well as the Amazing Spider-Man Epic Collections. Uh, my first appearance on the show went up on January 27th, um, which was uh, basically uh, taking a look at the Cosmic Adventures uh, Epic Collection of Amazing Spider-Man, the first that was actually released, so that's a great listen. Go listen to uh, that podcast. It's hosted by Curtis Finlay, uh, who's doing a great job getting that uh, the series off the ground of uh, podcasts. Uh, really delve into the epic collections um with regards to this episode i will say that at times you will hear in the background my three and a half year old son going dad dad which is super fun and embarrassing for those who uh for uh, for a podcaster and it's like ah just be quiet go go have your nap but uh it doesn't always work that way um off mic uh i had to uh leave for a moment and be like okay zach you, you gotta go to bed you gotta you gotta have a nap and he's like i, w- I want to say hi first um, and I think I mentioned this on the Mark Buckingham episode where he actually came down and uh, insisted that he talk to Mark Buckingham. Uh, and Mark Buckingham was extremely gracious and said hi. So uh, so I made it, uh, as any parent will know, you make bargains with your children to get them to do what you want them to do. And in this case, it meant, okay, you can come and say hi to Pat. Uh, so my son came down and said hi to Pat. Him and Pat had a bit of a discussion. And then uh, he, uh, he happily left uh, and only for a few minutes later to start calling my name again, which is right near the end of the episode. So... Uh, my apologies for the audio fidelity. It's uh, not quite what I'd like it to be when my son is making a lot of noise. Uh, so without further ado, uh, let's jump right into the episode. If you do want to listen to the first um, appearance of Pat Olive on this podcast, it's episode 278 from June 2015. It's a great listen. Um, it's well worth checking out. And then you can pop back over and uh, listen to this episode where we talk about Rough Riders and Barbed Wire. So without further ado, let's jump right into the conversation with Pat Olive. Pat, welcome back to Comic Shenanigans. How are you doing today? Uh, very well. Uh, thank you for having me back. Uh, I, I am looking forward to it. Well, I mean, it's been a, it's been a year and a half, but you've actually had a lot going on the last year and a half. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've been I've been very lucky to be very busy. So that's a, that's a nice thing. Absolutely. Well, the uh, the last time we chatted, it was actually I think just before uh, Barbed Wire had actually launched. You were working on it, but it hadn't actually come out yet. Um, right. So what was it like working on that book? And was it always pitched as eight issues? Or, like, I, I wasn't sure how long it was originally going to run, and I was surprised that when it just kind of ended. Yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things where obviously we, 
the idea would have been for us to go longer. Um, but, um, you know, in, in, you know, this is uh, the, the comic book business, and uh, the numbers weren't quite there to, to let us go any further. Um, so it was it was fun to work on. It was um, I had worked with Chris Warner before um, when I did um, uh, the Samson uh, series at Dark Horse. Um, I guess a few years beforehand, he was the editor on that project. Um, so when they had decided to resurrect uh, Barb Wire, um, um, he had seen my work on Catwoman. Um, thought that uh, it would be a good fit and, uh, you know, asked me to jump aboard and uh, schedule-wise it worked. And it was a fun project. Um, I had I was aware of the character uh, beforehand and, um, um, you know, it, it, it sounded like a really fun project. So it worked out pretty well. How did you find, like, did they challenge you or how did you kind of uh, make barbed wire work for your style? Because it's, barbed wire is kind of an interesting character with an interesting history. Um, yep. So how did you kind of adapt to that, or adapt her to you? Well, I think I think um, uh, the first step was I think um, you know Chris Warner created the character, so he you know and he's also an extremely talented artist as well. So uh, you know the first step in that process is that he saw something in my work that he thought would work for this character. So um, you know I think the first step is stylistically. Um, um, I already was kind of a, um, you know, I already was going to be a fit for the character based on on, on how he saw the, the book going. Um, so in terms of adaptation, um, uh, I just wanted to make sure I was true to what Chris had in mind, true to the character. But I didn't really try to um, necessarily alter my style or any of that kind of uh, thing to... Um, to the characters uh, specifically, it had more to do with I think that they chose an artist who they thought would fit the character, and and I think that just kind of worked out. Now, working with Chris, what was the like? Did you get scripts from him? Was it just plot? Like, yes. no, I got uh, scripts from Chris. Um, you know, he uh, obviously, like I said, having created the character and uh, being a talent artist himself, he had some pretty specific ideas about. Um, you know, how things would look and how things would go and that kind of stuff. So he would send me a script. Um, if I had any questions or anything, he was, uh, you know, I would get back and forth to him. Um, but because of, like I said, his connection to the character and his own artistic abilities, um, you know, the, the scripts were, were you know, had all the information I needed. So there really wasn't necessarily a lot of need for me to, uh, to go back and forth with Chris as far as, like, you know, uh, what do you mean or whatever so I would then I would submit the artwork and if he had any tweaks or ideas you know that would come back and we would kind of work through it that way uh, but yeah I just I, I got a script and just uh, took it from there what was uh, like what, I mean obviously it's, it's fun to work on a project with especially with a character's creator like that what were the, some of the highlights of working on that book though well I think one of the I mean some of the highlights were um, I think Chris has such a great ear for Dialogue, and especially for that character's dialogue. Um, so I think one of the one of the things I really enjoyed was, um, um, you know, putting visuals to the, um, uh, you know, to the dialogue and to the interactions that the characters were having in the book. Um, it, I got a chance to play around with some really fun characters that were new to the series. Um, there was the villain in the first uh, uh, group of issues called Wyvern, Wyvern Stormblood, who was. Uh, uh, you know this crazy looking guy with the beard and and, all, and the super powered strong guy who was drunk half the time. Um, 
Um, so getting a chance, I, he was he was probably one of my favorite characters to draw in the series outside of Barb herself. Um, so getting a chance to draw some of the characters like Mace Blitz, Blitzkrieg and some of the characters from the original series, but also getting a chance to draw some some new characters uh, um, for, uh, that were created for the series was was a lot of fun. Do you have any specific inspiration for Stormblood? You know, um, it, you know, Chris had a, you know had his idea of what they should what he should look like, and so that kind of uh, you know there was a little Game of Thrones influence in there. Um, um, so based on Chris's uh, description and where he kind of uh, had the idea, the starting point for the visuals of the character, there was no real specific um, um, character inspiration. Other than the genre, almost of it, kind of like a, like I said, like a Game of Thrones uh, type of character. So um, and it just allowed me, uh, given that framework, give me allowed me a chance to play with some designs and that kind of stuff. So it, it was it, it was a lot of fun. No, I, I guess it goes without saying. If you had the opportunity, you'd do some more barbed wire. Uh, yeah, and when when the series ended, um, that was it was kind of left out there as a possibility if there would be other ones that maybe uh, you know if we could make the schedules work, I would certainly be open to it. Um, you know, just as it comes down to uh, scheduling and uh, and you know if the opportunity would arise, so we'll just uh, we would just have to see. Now, how did you get linked up with Aftershock Comics on the project that would become Rough Riders? Um, well, after. Um, uh, after Barb Wire wrapped up, uh, I was looking around for another project, and I had and I had, I had heard that Mike Martz had been um, involved in this new company, uh, Aftershock. And Mike and I go back a long way. He was uh, an, uh, an editor of mine at Marvel. He was one of my editors on Spider Girl. Um, and then years later, when he was at DC, he was the one that brought me on board for a fill-in on Batwoman, which led to a little run I had on Catwoman. Um, so Mike and I have been, you know, uh, I've known each other for quite a while. Um, so knowing that he was involved in this new company, I thought, uh, you know, and I always liked working with Mike. Uh, Mike's a fantastic guy, a great editor. Um, and it's always nice to look for projects that you get to work with people that you enjoy working with. So I reached out to Mike and said, hey, um, you know, I'm looking for another project. Uh, you know, do you have anything in mind? Uh, keep me posted. Because really at that point, I didn't know how far down the path they were in terms of putting books together and, and that kind of thing. Um, so, um, you know, Mike said, hey, that sounds great. Uh, we might have something, uh, you know, kind of like uh, I'll keep you posted. Um and then very shortly after that, he emailed me back and said, <laughs> can, you draw, can you draw Teddy Roosevelt? And of course, I didn't know anything about the project, so I thought that was kind of a strange request, but I said, okay. <laughs> um, so um, he gave me the general idea of what the project was, but really the look that they were going for uh, for, this, for Teddy Roosevelt. Um, so I drew it up, sent it in, and uh, he took a look at it. He liked it. Sent it over to Adam Glass, um, the writer creator of this project. He liked it, and basically that's how it worked. He, Mike said, "Hey, everyone loves this. Um, looks like it'd be a good fit. Are you interested?" And I said, "Absolutely," because once I was on board in terms of uh, you know getting the artistic look right for Teddy Roosevelt. Um, then he described the, the series to me with the idea that Adam had and how this would all fit together. And I just absolutely loved it. Uh, I'm a history buff anyway. I do like that kind of stuff. So 
Um, it was funny, you know, Mike even asked me, he said, well, it's kind of a period piece. Are you okay with that? It's a historical kind of fiction thing. Are you okay with that? And I said, Mike, I said, that worked out great. He said, I'm actually in the middle of a book about the sinking of the Lusitania as I'm talking to you. So <laughs> that it's, that'll, that'll work out fine for me. Um, so really, that's just basically how it worked. It was a relationship with Mike that, uh, um, you know, I reached out to him. They had a ha- they actually had a project that was a, a possibility. Um, I did the sketch, and uh, and off we went. Now, when you came on board, I mean, I guess Adam had already kind of developed what the series was going to be, so the cast was already set? Yes. Um, yeah, this was an idea that Adam had had. Uh, he pitched to Aftershock. Um, I think there may have been another artist involved, uh, but I'm not sure about that. But, yeah, the, the existence, the, the, care, the, the project existed um, previously. Adam had come up with this idea, had come up with the group of characters, who would be involved, how that would go. So um, it was pretty much, um, uh, you know, uh, all set by the time I got on board. Now, when you were originally kind of doing your, your uh, I guess, audition without realizing it uh, with uh, Teddy Roosevelt, um, <laughs> what kind of research did you do to make sure you kind of got the look right and that you could actually kind of translate that to, to motion, to actually storytelling? Well, I think the one thing was there were two things. One of them was... Um, you know, my first, you know, you know, when the idea of Teddy Roosevelt, an image pops into my head of the president. He's a little older at that point. So the description that I got was that this would be a younger Teddy Roosevelt. This is before he became president, you know. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I did some quick research on, you know, what he would look like in his 20s. Um, so uh, that helped kind of inform how I'd approach it. Plus, they also gave me a, a sense of how they would approach the character in this in this series, which was a little bit more almost Batman influenced, if you were. He was, in, as we start the the, the first series, um, you see that he is um, kind of uh, uh, doing his vigilante thing, helping people on the side, and uh, um, uh, like I said, in an almost kind of Bruce Wayne Batman esque. Uh, kind of a, a theme, uh, so that also kind of that also lent itself to an idea of how he would look in terms of how he, you know even just in the one shot of him standing, um, the posture, the way he held himself, a more heroic, um, um, you know, adventurer kind of a pose. Uh, so the age and the description of who this character would be in this particular series uh, both uh, went a long way to informing how I, how I approached it. I was uh, rereading uh, issue one today, and there's like, as you said, there's a, a kind of the posturing version of him where he's kind of getting all dressed in his suit. And yep. for a moment, I don't know why, but it also reminded me of Tom Selleck on Blue Bloods. And I don't, <laughs> and I don't yeah, right. know, I don't know yeah. why, but I know that that like the, the character is always kind of inspired by Roosevelt, and they always have like a shot of Roosevelt in that show. And for some reason, yep. when I when I looked at him, like it kind of reminds me of Selleck. <laughs> original idea but that was but i i'm i'm happy to hear that because that is another um you know that his character on that show dovetails um you know into the type of character that adam is writing at teddy roosevelt to be in this series so there definitely is a relationship there now with the rest of the cast who did you find the most challenging to kind of nail the look down um the most challenging to me now i'll say this up front um i will admit that i am not um uh, there are certain characteristics of each character that i try to approximate in the book um but 
it also I boiled them down to something that is um, easily recognizable as who they are, but also easy for me to um, illustrate, illustrate expressions, illustrate panel to panel action, and il- illustrate uh, their interactions, so that I am not I'm not pretending that I am I am doing portraits of these characters um, in each panel. Um, so there is. So if you, so if you, you know, if you open up, you know, if you find a picture, a photograph of Harry Houdini, and you put it up next to my drawing, and say, "Well, that's not exactly right," that's that's okay. That's that's not. I wasn't going for that to begin with, um, but I wanted to make sure that they were all recognizable as who they are. There are certain physical characteristics that, um, almost in a caricature way, that you pick up on when you see Teddy Roosevelt, Harry Houdini, Jack Johnson. So there's there is. I wanted to try to keep something like that in the characters so they would be recognizable who they are but I wasn't I didn't want to have to worry about doing portraits every panel or I would never get any of these pages done um, so having said that um, the character that really has been the, the, the most challenging for me is Thomas Edison oh really uh, I don't know yeah there's just something about um, because it is age specific um, he is a younger Thomas Edison um, he still has some weight to his face um but he is not the older Thomas Edison that most people kind of uh, have in their heads. Um, so it's just getting his facial structure and face type down has, has actually uh, been kind of a challenge. Interesting. And uh, actually, speaking of your Houdini, um, I actually thought, I mean, it's interesting that you say that maybe it's not the, the greatest uh, capturing of his likeness, but I definitely liked how you illustrated the character because he really, um, he is kind of like the rogue, right? Like. Very, very much so. Very much so. And, and 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 Houdini at that point, and which is why I enjoy working on this project so much, is that it was not um, you know Adam Glass getting a chance to work with you know these characters that he pulls out of history and they go off and have some adventure um, where they're pulled out from different parts of history. They're all the recognizable. Um, you know, Teddy Roosevelt as president, Harry Houdini um, as the escape artist. I mean, they are all those things, but they are all pulled from that year, that specific year. So that Teddy Roosevelt is the younger Teddy Roosevelt. He's not president. Harry Houdini, as we begin the series, is not the great escape artist that everyone knows. He's the king of cards, doing card tricks at Coney Island. So... um, so yeah, so it was so getting a chance to to pull reference on the younger versions of these characters, where you do get, um, and that was the neat thing about drawing Harry Houdini. He, does, he has a certain shape to his face, but he has this big mane of kind of like this top, this this like tousled kind of curly hair that you know parted down the middle is very distinctive, um, and it works so great for how Adam writes him. He is that kind of a character, that kind of rogue character in a way where. He, um, um, that I think I think it fits his look. It fits the, uh, and, and it makes it easier for me to fit the look to the, the type of character that Adam's uh, using. Artistically, did you find any specific surprises as you kind of went along in the series? That things you may not have expected, or just uh, things you enjoyed a lot more than you would have originally thought as well. Um, I guess I haven't really um, found too many things that have been. Um, unexpected. I know that. I think part of it is that um, I, I, I came into this project with having kind of known where it was going, talked to Adam, got the story ideas. That um, really, the, the things that I've enjoyed the most are the 
um, the real historical pieces of um, uh, the, the, the characters, the surroundings, the uh, environments that, that, that we use. Um, you know, the, the, when we open the series, um, you know, Teddy Roosevelt is, is you know, uh, in, the, in the big hot air balloon over this uh, building on fire where these garment workers are trapped inside. That's actually taken from the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire in New York. That was what it's based on. Um, also in the first series, there's the, when Teddy Roosevelt tries, is recruiting Annie Oakley. He, um, you know, to press his case, he slides a letter that Annie Oakley had written to President McKinley offering her services and, and aid to the, to the country. And, um, that's an actual letter. I did the research and found it and approximated oh, really? it the best I could. Um, that has been really, not only is Adam telling a great story and has it been a lot of fun from an adventure standpoint from drawing these characters from the intrigue of it, um, adding those little historical bits um, uh, has been so much fun because it allows for um, researching things that I didn't know about um, um, and it makes it more challenging but it makes it more interesting and uh, I think it adds uh, and adds an enormous amount to the overall experience of the book. Uh, I guess it goes without saying then. I guess you do more research on this project than most others. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Mostly. Now, Adam's been is Adam's very good about supplying the reference that he you know he he comes you know if he uh, references something specific in the in the book he'll uh, he'll he'll supply some reference. Uh, but I also do obviously a lot of reference searching on my own. Uh, because I want it to be accurate, uh, as accurate as we can, and as accurate as, accurate as we're willing to be. Uh, the f- first issue of the second series, uh, you know, it starts off with the assassination of President McKinley. Um, so that was also something that you know I, I did some research on. Uh, the World's Fair in Buffalo, the music hall it took place in. Um, so yeah, there's a lot more reference, but it is it is really one of the uh, also the uh, enjoyable parts of this project. Now jumping ahead, so there is a second series on the way. There is, yeah. We uh, I think the first is called Rough Riders, Riders on the Storm. Um, I believe it will be out in February, um, and um, yeah, it'll be six issues, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. No. Um, so yeah, so there'll be another uh, uh, series on the way, and I think that's kind of how we're approaching it. Is that uh, um, uh, everybody was very happy with the response to the first series? Um, um, you know, and, and really, when you think about you know the comic book market, um, you wonder a little bit about the chances of, su- of, a su- of success of a book essentially about um, a period piece. Uh, deal, you know, following the adventures of you know, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, Harry Houdini, Jack Johnson, Thomas Edison, Andy Oakley. You know, <laughs> you know, is that going to fly in the current comic book market? You just start to think, ah, I don't know, how's that going to work? But it has been great. Uh, the response has been great, um, and so so um, enough people uh, have shown interest in it and enjoyed it and, and picked up the book. That uh, yep, we're we're back for a second series. I mean, are there sometimes comparisons made between uh, Rough Riders and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Uh, sometimes, I mean that's that's kind of how it was explained early on, and um, there is obviously some similarities. Um, uh, but as the book has, uh, you know, kind of taken on a life of its own, um, we really don't, uh, you know, we don't really reference that too much anymore because the book has kind of become something in and to itself. 
Well, absolutely. And I can understand using it as kind of a shorthand at first as an yep. elevator pitch to be like, well, this is what it is. Yep. Uh, but yep. you're right. It's, yep. it's totally its, its own beast now. Yeah, yeah. Now, with this second volume, so obviously with the first volume, when you came on, the story was kind of set. With the second, were you involved a little bit more in the creation of uh, where it was going to be going with Adam, or did Adam just kind of bang it out on his own, or what kind of process was there? Um, well, Adam, well, Adam, uh, it was already um, established. Um, Adam had already had uh, an idea of uh, the second series, um, you know, before we even got there. Um, oh, okay. I think Adam told me that he's got, I don't know, um, you know, four or five of these in his head <laughs> um, at different stages of time. Um, so it's, so he's ready to go. I mean, he's, he's got these all planned out. He's ready to go. So we, you know, we do a series and if people like it and there's enough interest, we'll do the second. And if there's enough interest, we'll do a third. And, um, so, but he's got them all kind of mapped out in his head. Um, now are there any kind of teases or things you can let us know about what to expect when we see the next series? Um, well, I mean, it is, uh, and this was something, it is the same characters, uh, it is, um, you know, at the end of the uh, last series, um, between the end of the last series and the beginning of this series, there is a little time break of a couple of years, so they they tend to go off on their own. They're in a little different place in their lives when the second series starts, uh, which makes it interesting in their interaction because they've had, you build on the interaction they had in the first series, and then Adam also then kind of interjects where they are now when they all kind of reconvene. Uh, everyone's a little bit more famous. Everyone's a little bit different points in their lives. Um, so, like I said, it begins with the assassination of President McKinley, um, and um, you know, trying to solve who's behind that, and it then kind of grows from there. I can't really say too much more than that. <laughs> but uh, um, but the the uh, one of the things that I remember when some when I when uh, the second series was mentioned that there was a concern for people who were Rough Riders fans that because it all what we also did was we came out with Rough Riders Nation a one shot um, like a pinup book of different um, uh, rough quote unquote Rough Rider groups from different places in history um, so uh, there uh, there seemed to be some confusion about that uh, initially in terms of. You know, people were afraid that um, the next series or there would be other Rough Riders books that would not be this group, uh, and that is not the case. This, this this second series is the same group of uh, of characters um, that were in the first series, um, having the same interactions, uh, building like I said, building off who they are at this point in their lives. Um, um, so it's 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 you know it's it's it's, it's a lot of fun. With, like I said, I can't say I can't say too much more about it. <laughs> Now, with, uh, I guess what you said, a three-year time jump, did you, how much liberties did you take in terms of aging the characters up a little? Um, a little bit. I mean, it's not, the jump was not big enough where they have, they aged exponentially or there was that much of a difference. So really, there's very little change in necessarily their facial structure or uh, adding too many more lines to their face or anything else like that. Um, the time difference has not been big enough to really affect that kind of thing. Um, but what they're wearing is a little bit different. Uh, Harry Houdini is now no longer the king of cards, uh, you know, working Coney Island. He's become a little bit more prosperous, a little more famous. Jack Johnson is a little bit more famous. So they, you know, what they're wearing and how they comport themselves that way has changed a little bit. But 
physically the the, the, the time difference is, is small enough where it really didn't affect their look too much. Uh, now this might be a spoiler if it's true, but uh, will we have any new characters joining the Rough Riders? Um, there is a character that um, joins the Rough Riders, but he's not a new character. That makes there's a teaser for you. Anybody that's familiar with the first series, um, <laughs> then there is a Rough Rider that is part of the mix. But he, there is a new Rough Rider uh, in this series, but uh, he's not brand new to the group. That makes any sense. So I'll, I'll throw that out there. <laughs> okay. Uh, I want to ask about the, the covers on the uh, the first series. Um, yep. Was it your idea to do the kind of contrast between uh, the cover to number one and number seven, where you essentially have you know the same type of pose, but seeing where they've come just in the uh, series of events that unfolded in the first series? I think that that was. I'm trying to think who came up. I think that was Adam's idea, or it might have been Mike's idea. I'm not sure, but uh, that was. We were kind of throwing around different ideas, um, but I think. Um, the issue seven cover was specifically going to yeah was always going to be specifically uh, related to the first issue cover. Um, you know we tried to have different covers that would uh, that would focus on the different characters, then culminating in that one being the mirror uh, of the first issue cover. And I think that might have been Adam's idea. Now this is completely subjective, but which cover did you enjoy illustrating more? The more kind of classic uh, portrait, or the uh, you know the what happens next? <laughs> Well, I think really the the, the uh, um, it's hard to pick a favorite. The, the two really the, the two favorites of mine uh, were the Harry Houdini cover and the Annie Oakley cover. Okay. Uh, maybe I think if I had to pick between the two, probably the Annie Oakley cover, just because um, it's a very iconic cover, but um, it also says a lot about the series in a way because she has a revolver in one hand and an alien laser pistol in another so it it, it says you know that that says everything we want to say about the mixing of the two the historical fiction with some of this kind of alien steampunky kind of qualities to it um it says so much about not only her character but also um the series itself and plus the fact it turned out that um i think i can't speak for adam but i i think he might agree that really the surprising favorite character, the character that we got the most response on, uh, I would have, before the series started, I would have guessed Teddy Roosevelt, Roosevelt or Harry Houdini. Hmm. But the, the, really, the, the fan favorite character tended to be Annie Oakley. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so she, uh, and, and we all fell in love with her. I mean, we all, the way Adam writes her is so great. Uh, so she really did become uh, the character that we, that, uh, that really seemed to connect with a lot of the fans, which was really, which was really gratifying when that happens, when you uh, you know, we have a character that just kind of takes on a life of its own. Well, I guess it, it makes sense why you might think it might be Houdini or Roosevelt because those are right. kind of the marquee characters, the ones that everyone right. knows. Yeah, exactly, exactly right, and that's uh, and that's what I was kind of thinking. And uh, um, but the fact that uh, Annie has has got such uh, uh, has become popular uh, with the fans uh, is really is really nice. How did you find? Um, I mean, obviously, you, you end up with a lot of period dress in this in these yes. series. Um, does that do you enjoy kind of stretching yourself that way and and not just doing kind of modern dress and actually kind of experimenting and doing the research and and kind of replicating those old type of clothes or or is it just more work <laughs> or a little bit of both? Uh, yeah, a little bit of both. Um, well, actually, I really do enjoy it. Uh, um, 
getting a chance to, uh, I have found that, uh, um, you know, I, at that period, uh, wearing top hats and bowler hats uh, was the big thing for men uh, uh, out and about. And uh, uh, I have been uh, surprised how challenging drawing a bowler hat is. <laughs> uh, but uh, but it's been, that, that part has been really enjoyable. Um, um, doing the research on what the buildings of the, the architecture of the time looks like, what the streetlights of the time look like, uh, horse-drawn carriages, what women are wearing in terms of their dress. They have the, the, the hats that they wear. Um, same thing with the men uh, in terms of, uh, you know, not only their, what they're wearing in terms of hats and gloves and coats and stuff, um, um, but also, um, you know, how they dress when they're out, you know, like there are, when people are outside, they are dressed uh, like they're all going out for the evening, even if they're not, you know what I mean? It's, it's just kind of how they all, it, you, you see a lot of these pictures, a lot of the, the top coats and the top hats and the bowler hats and all that kind of thing. Um, that kind of research has been uh, one of the things I really enjoy about it. Has, uh, that's been a fun piece of it, trying to uh, make the world. I mean, Adam's gone to such great lengths to create this kind of realistic um, historical fiction product where you've got these realistic historical references woven into our story uh it's incumbent on me to try to get some of to try to set that scene again and try to make sure that there are also um historically accurate references to the visuals of the story and mm-hmm. I, that's been a real that's been a lot of fun it definitely makes the series uh, much more visually distinctive as well because you know it yeah. sets it apart from anything else on the stands because you know it just looks so different yeah I, yeah I, I agree i i totally agree and i think that's that might be why uh, people gravitate to it. I mean, because there really isn't that any, there really isn't anything out there that looks like it. No. Uh, now, what was it like um, getting to draw Rasputin? <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was pretty cool. Um, uh, you know, I, I had it's kind of funny because I had had when I saw it in the script, um, I had had an idea of what he looked like um, from history, and you know, uh, just kind of a general sense in my head of what I thought he looked like, but I. I did want to research, um, the, um, you know, the time the time frame in which he lived, and to try to find out what he looked like. And actually, I was a little bit my own internal image there was a little bit off. Uh, so I was glad to see that uh, I was glad I did the, the reference research. Uh, but it, that was, you know, it, it was so cool that, that Adam put him in there, and he was so much fun to draw. That was that was really neat. How did your uh, your kind With of your mental Edison, image of Rasputin um, differ from what I mean, you, you ended up you mentioned putting on the page after the research? A little bit harder to kind of get his look well, exactly right because of the time frame that, and, and kind of thinning him up a little. Um, yep. Given who he was uh, in life, it is it also and fun the, though uh, to kind of play up the, the uh, crazy invention as well. On those around it, it is, and that, uh, considering that not we aware decided of, really to, just how you know that, that um, Edison has announced his you know, alien technology, kind of stuff, his uh, as well as were, the you know uh, the, the light bulb that everybody there was familiar. a darkness to them, um, but there also and I don't know if I it was kind of fun to play around with all those different ideas that. Uh, that um, different kind of technology like was, and those different kind right of kind of thing. I mean, the other thing about that is it's been fun too. Uh, is the way Adam writes it. I may not have pulled that off kind of a completely in the book, but um, that you was know, really kind of fun to, uh, to write something that, that I draw that was, kind of, was taken by when uh, I when I saw the pictures of kind of facial expressions, Travis kind of that kind of character. So in the book, it's been kind of fun to see the interaction that he has with the other characters. Well, that was actually. I mean, there there are an eyebrow here, you know, a little sneer there, kind of thing. So it's 
butterfly so when he you know, takes his coat off. And I guess you're right. He really does exude that uh, kind of jerky uh, I arrogance. I don't know. Oh, very your, much so. I, I don't very much so. Know and, that uh, Rasputin in uh, life is certainly clear in the second issue of the second series as well. So it's been. But I think that's one of the things I really enjoyed, and it was unexpected. Appropriate visual for what we were trying to show. How Adam had appropriate to show that his physical strength in the context of this, even though he may not be a massive has kind of paired off physicality to him, a physical strength. Different characters. So they almost have their own little dynamic in amongst themselves. Jack Johnson and Harry have their dynamic. But Edison and Danny Oakley have their dynamic. The way Teddy Roosevelt have that. wanted to approach his physicality Edison have their dynamic. And so they each went in a certain direction to make sure that we got the point across interaction of who he was, especially in that scene. And I love the fact in the first series how Jack. Um, in the original series, Jack you have um, uh, Teddy they, they uh, with have uh, this, like, donning some armor. What was it like kind of designing that to kind of be something that, would, on, the, that uh, he could wear no that would be you know, believable for the time, but also uh, kind of look a little bit different uh, was, as well? That was a lot of fun, fun like because, uh, um, you know, these two characters, we wanted to always have ourselves into this. You can see it in the first page, the early pages of the first issue, the small time jump, but I guess you're also turning a century in terms of where the stories um, took place. Uh, have you, to had to, to have series. you implemented any um, new so when fashions when they uh, talked about the armor? Um, we'll see in it the just gave me a chance to kind of play uh, around not with necessarily. the uh, ideas. Um, maybe a little uh, bit here and there. Um, there are some that scenes, would be steampunk in nature, so it would fit the theater. These performing so power. Some of the well-dressed. Uh, audience um, members, you know, the, there might the be something a little bit different the there that I've been able to find. So it, it just, I wouldn't have drawn um, in the other series. Uh, it was a lot of, um, but it was again, a lot of fun the, to get around to play around with the jump. Of all of such a short period of time, picture of Teddy Roosevelt as the great white hunter with his pith helmet on. Because I don't want to exaggerate it. Which has certainly lent itself to, that was the tone to, lent itself to, and it really wasn't a big enough fan as well. So it's all those different pieces that were fun to kind of put together. Which character do you think would have the best sense of style in a modern world? <laughs> that is a good question. I would have to. Um, I'll probably go with Jack Johnson, just because um, uh, I know that. Uh, um, I mean, I was aware of Jack Johnson before the series. I was aware of him as heavyweight champion, um, and uh, uh, you know how uh, you know he took time to. to to be well dressed and to be, uh, you know, uh, concerned about how he looked and how he, you know, wore different things. So I think I think he would probably be the one most interested in fashion uh, in the modern age. Excellent. Well, you know, Pat, thank you so much for talking to us today about both barbed wire and Rough Riders. Uh, I guess we've gone pretty deep on Rough Riders, which I really enjoyed. Um, yeah, really, really excited for the new series. So you said it's uh, coming out in just a few weeks, right? Uh, yeah, I believe it's in uh, uh, yeah, it's in February, but I don't. I, I'll have to get the date to you. But yeah, it, we're looking forward to it. Um, everybody who was a fan of the first series, I know, will enjoy the second one. Uh, it's been a blast to work on, so uh, we're, we're really looking forward to it. Do you know how many issues uh, this one is? Uh, I believe it'll be six. Six. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's exciting, and hopefully, we'll uh, we'll have you on after that series comes out to uh, break down uh, everything that happens in the new series. That would be great. I'd enjoy it. Thank you. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. All right. Thanks, Adam.